Hey parents, it's good to have you back with us for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast where uh, Dr. Michael Green and I have a chance to chat about things that we know you care about because we've been parents as well. And we do so from a brain science perspective. And so you can at least have the confidence that uh, when we're talking about this stuff, it's rooted in good science and uh, it's nature-based, it's good for your kids, and it's good for you. And we're glad to have you listening today. We are continuing... Uh, kind of this four-part mini-series where we're answering questions from our listeners. And we really do value the questions that you send us. And if you do have a question for us, you can go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And there you'll find uh, some links where you can subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that. There are some resources that we reference for you that we've written to help you as uh, you raise your kids. And there's a place for you to send us a question. And again, we would be honored to answer your question. And uh, we know that that's what's important to you. So we want to make it important to us as well. And uh, I'm pretty sure that whatever question you ask, there are a lot of parents listening who are asking that same question. So it's wonderofparenting.com. There's a place to write a question. And we do want to encourage you to head over to our Facebook page as well. Uh, Just go to Facebook and look up Wonder of Parenting and join the group. And uh, we provide information there that we can't always get into our podcasts. And we'd love to have you be a part of that. That's Wonder of Parenting at Facebook. So, Michael, welcome back to you to the uh, show. Good to have Thanks, you with us. Thanks, Tim. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, today our question comes from Jennifer. And uh, it, it has to do with boys. And uh, But I think uh, we're going to really probably get to girl behavior as well in this one. And this is her message. She says, hi, I have a two-year-old boy in a daycare center. And every day I get disgusted looks and scolded because my son wasn't listening or was not using his walking feet or the best one was using his hands too much, a.k.a. he pushed another kid either because he was provoked or sometimes because he was unprovoked. Uh, The weird thing is that my son is the sweetest little love bug and sometimes he gets rough, but I feel that's all that they ever focus on at the, the daycare center. When I asked him about hitting, he replied that he said he was sorry, and he gave the the boy a hug. I know he's not intentionally trying to hurt kids, but what's the best way for me to direct the center teachers so that they keep him from hitting others or see that he's really a normal boy? Uh, Now, there's a lot of really good stuff there, and I appreciate uh, what Jennifer is saying here is she wants to be a part of helping the teachers understand her boy, uh, but she also needs, she understands, I think, that there are some certain things that in a social setting uh, he, he probably can't do for long, hitting one of them. So, Michael, let's let's talk a little bit about, uh, we, we, we can start with daycare, certainly, um, and boys in particular, because sometimes there's great misunderstanding as to what is and is not appropriate boy behavior. A lot of centers have to have rules. Uh, one of them is no hitting. But even for even for boys, hitting isn't quite what we try to say hitting is. Hitting can be a normal way for boys to connect with each other. So give us kind of the rundown of what we need to understand here, what's going on with this question. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, the We have to say, you know, to... to um applaud the the daycare center that they are trying to be protective yep. they are trying to set standards you know we we get that 
they want they don't want anyone to get hurt and and they have expectations etc so that, that's a, a good thing however we also want to remember that 99 probably 0.9 percent of child care centers the staff has not been trained in male and female brains so they don't they really want everyone to act like a female and um and uh, you know that sort of famous quote that we often get in a situation where we think of boys as defective girls and we really want boys to be more like girls. And that is definitely true in childcare settings because girls do sit still more. They don't, they don't use as much aggression, nurturance, challenge nurturance, you know, where they like to push up, rub up against each other, you know, and challenge each other and all of that, which is more male behavior. Uh, and which is normal, but, um, uh, so there is a kind of gender bias in early childhood that we're all working on. And it's not malicious, but we're all we're all working on it, trying to get everyone trained in male brain so they understand that the male developmental arc um, and the way males learn, like by rolling around on the floor, that's actually good for them. They actually can learn that way and listen to the story or by by bumping up against each someone else. They're actually building resilience. And and that's a kind of training. And so in that daycare center, it's possible that if if that daycare center never gets that training, that that's going to end up not the place for Jennifer's son, because uh, especially with him getting in this much trouble constantly, um, it may not be the right place. But on the other hand, um, hopefully that can get discussed with them and then they can talk with Jennifer and her family about what are the exact behaviors, because just knocking up against another boy is not a bad thing. Running is not a bad thing. You know, running in one particular case is probably not good but running is fine. Uh, so if they can get more help, they and Jennifer can sit together and figure out exactly what the problem is. Right now, it sounds like the boy is the problem in their system. So I guess I would start with that. Yeah, so so boy behavior is different. Now, we're, we're talking about a two-year-old boy here as well. So let, let's stay there for a minute. What are some things that we should expect and should not expect about behavior of a boy at the age of two yeah I, I mean in general we should expect that boy's behavior to be different than girls behavior even though there are some very cerebellum oriented girls cerebellum being the doing center of the brain and males have a more active cerebellum so they're doing more they're moving around more um uh and some girls also but in general it's going to be guys so at two you really expect and want the guys to move around. That's actually good for their brains. Um, uh, they'll, of course, it's still at certain times, but but you want them to be moving around. It's fine for them to be grabbing each other, jumping on each other, wrestling. That's actually aggression nurturance. That's building a lot of social emotionals and empathy and resilience. Uh, those are all actually pretty normal. It's also normal for a boy when a when an adult says, stop that, that's not the right behavior right now you know, to, to, to sit still and to listen to that authority. So that's also normal. Um, all of those things would be in the range of normal for that boy. It would not, for instance, be normal for us to expect that boy to read at two. Right. And it's not going to be normal for us to think that a boy will sit, uh, that every boy in that daycare will sit and listen to a story for five straight minutes or 10 straight minutes and not move, right? That would be, that would be us not having training. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, because it's normal for a boy while listening to a story to sit, you know, against a person's body, let's say for a little length of time, but then to start rolling around or moving around as he processes the story, that would also be normal. So you can see what I'm getting at. Yeah. I'm getting at all this physical movement stuff, this kinesthetic, that's actually pretty normal for a boy 
within, you know, within the right limits for that setting. Right. Now, I, I would assume that there are also some verbal emotive differences as well uh, in, in terms of, you know, what boys, generally speaking, can communicate at the age of two versus what girls can communicate. Yeah. One of the reasons boys are using more movement and 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 kind of, you know, wrestling and all of that stuff, one of the reasons they're doing more of this kinesthetic cerebellum-oriented behavior is they don't have as, uh, their pathways aren't as well developed yet between the verbal centers of the brain and the limbic system as the girls' pathways are by two. Um, so when when the system says, use your words, that's going to work in a lot of cases, and it's not a bad thing to say, but it's going to work better with two-year-old girls than two-year-old boys. It's going to work better with three-year-old girls than three-year-old boys because there is a, there is a, a, a verbal literacy gap between males and females, and it's a brain gap. And so about one in five of those boys is going to be more like the girls and be able to talk, talk, talk very well. And, and use your words works fine. Maybe even one in three, but two out of three, at least are not going to, once we study that setting, we're going to see that they're not as able to as quickly respond in words uh, to something. When someone asks them what they feel or something like that, they're going to need to do it more with their bodies. And that's completely normal for the way their brains are set up. Now, there's there's a lot of uh, there are many different kinds of daycare centers, and uh, increasingly there seem to be a push toward making uh, preschools daycare centers uh, what kindergarten used to be for you and for me back in the dark ages in the last century, um, and where the expectation now is by the time boys and girls get to first grade that that they're or I mean to kindergarten, that they're at a reading level that you and I were probably at in first or second grade uh, 50 years ago. Um, for boys, let's, let's just stand boys for a while. What kind of preschool is most advantageous for the way that they're wired uh, and for the kinds of needs that they have for learning? Yeah, well, first of all, as parents are looking at preschools, look at whether the staff has been trained in uh, how boys and girls learn. So boys and girls learn differently or the minds of boys and girls. Look and see if they've trained, ask them if they've gotten any training in it. If they say, well, I read a book or I read an article, that's probably not enough um, because that's a, that's a system in which they're caring for our child. And so we really wanna make sure they've gotten some training in it, professional development, they fully understand how the male brain develops and differences with female. Uh, that would be number one. If that has happened, then the system is probably already going to do these other things I'm about to list. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Um, so second thing is how, how much 
how, how do they judge boy behavior? Is boy behavior judged in the same way girl behavior is? Um, and I don't mean I don't I don't mean in terms of st uh, standards for for moral behavior. I don't mean that. I mean the kind of nitty gritty. But what uh, Jennifer is describing the boy pushing or the boy wrestling is that always considered bad? Okay, then that's a system that hasn't been trained and that you may not want to put a boy in. Um, uh, is the system uh, are kids supposed to sit a lot and are they just constantly being forced to read or are they learning naturally? Are they outside a lot? Uh, are they um, moving around a lot? Are they able to f freely play and not always have organized play? Uh, those are things that that if you have any child, I mean, I did this with my girls, my wife and I, Gail and I, we, we looked at child care really carefully. And, you know, we had girls, not boys, but we still look carefully. We wanted to see a lot of nature. We wanted to see kinesthetic. We wanted to see movement. Um, uh, we didn't want to see constant rigidity uh, at, in that age group. And for boys, it's heightened because so many of them get in trouble. And, and the last thing, third thing I'll say is on the reading, if the child, if that daycare is saying we want a child to be reading at four, um, then it may not be a great environment for boys. Um, probably most girls, uh, definitely most girls uh, who are about a year to year and a half boys uh, ahead of boys in this are going to be starting to do some fundamental reading by four, maybe. But a lot of boys are not. I mean, they can look at pictures and say a word, but they're not going to be doing what we call reading by four. Um, if, if Obviously, if we wait till six or seven, they are. And, and we want to remember when people push back on this, you know, they say, no, girls and boys should be the same. And you, you know, what, uh, we got to remember that places like Finland, they don't really start focusing on reading until six, seven, because they know, they understand brain development. And they know that um, you don't have to force a brain to read at four. What you do is you, you follow the nature, the natural pattern of the brain. And um, for all kids, the natural of the pattern of the brain is it's going to, it's going to be reading by six, seven, unless it has a severe disorder. So, um, uh, and Finland has some of the highest test scores uh, and academic performance in the whole world. So there isn't really a gain in childcare facilities uh, moving toward what you described with trying to read at three and four. Uh, there isn't a gain in that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would argue that a more nature-based approach is going to lead toward a better behaved child, a child that likes school later, uh, isn't, doesn't feel like a failure, a child that reads well later, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to be a better environment. So, so speaking just as Michael Gurian, would, would you have a preference in, would you prefer a preschool that is more social play uh, or more or academic? academic? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I prefer a preschool that's more natural, and that means it's going to be more into social-emotional development and it's going to be less into academic. Right. Because preschool, remember, when we're talking preschool, we're talking, you know, two and a half by the time they're potty trained. So two and a half, let's say, to three uh, into that four, four and a half before kindergarten, let's say, starts at five. So we're talking about a sort of two and a half-ish to four and a half-ish. So in there, uh, it's uh, the job of of parents and preschool uh, teachers is, is mainly social-emotional. It's mainly about socialization. Um, it's mainly about teaching behavioral skills, teaching empathy skills, uh, and 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 remember, not having to teach it top down, but allowing that group of kids to teach it to each other experientially, creating a safe container for them to teach each other how to act and interact. And then, of course, there's going to be an hour or two of that day, let's say, that's going to be academic. That's fine. But the primary job that we have with three-year-olds is not academic. 
And and I, I think it it's bears repeating that, um, and you've said this many times, that a boy's brain tends to be, generally speaking, about a year, year and a half behind a girl's brain. So if a girl is four years old and a boy is four years old, he's at the reading level, so to speak, of a three and a half year old, right? Yeah, according to this research, we're talking, of course, now about verbal literacy. So reading, yep. writing, speaking. Now in gross motor, he's ahead of girls. But yes. but in reading, writing, speaking, yes, he's a year to year and a half behind in general, one in five exception rate, but in general. And so when we're when we're trying to get our, our boys to read at that age, we're really asking them to do something that they're just not wired to do. But the pressure for parents is a lot of our school systems now say, your kid's got to be reading by kindergarten. And, and that's uh, really been detrimental for our boys in a lot of ways and for our, some of our girls. And for some of the girls. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of, uh, there are a lot of boys who are going to reading be reading by five. So it's not as if we shouldn't give them books. Uh, it's more about the expectation. So so reading is good. And we as parents and, and we as uh, child care providers, we want to read aloud to kids as much as we can during the day because we want those synapses to close in their minds. That That's going to be crucial for their life success. So, so we want to be reading to them and we want to challenge them to read back to us as they're able in that, in that three to five age group. And if they if they grab it and by the time they're five and they enter kindergarten, they're reading fine, then great. But if they don't grab it yet, that's the one where we're where we're creating failure. If their brains aren't wired for it and we try to get them to do it by three or four and they fail at it and then we're hard on them about it. And then someone says, well, OK, you can't, you know, the kid isn't reading at the level I want a kindergartner to read at they don't belong in this kindergarten, then I'd say, fair enough. You know, I don't think we want them in that kindergarten. That kindergarten is set up, it's set up so much around academics. It may not even be the right place for my child because my child is probably going to be just as good academically as that kid who's reading at five in that child care facility by the time he's in college, you know, because again, we want to remember the research does not show that reading by four creates a successful male. Right. It does not show that. There it's great if they do it, but it does not show that because the male brain is going to grab reading when it grabs it. So, I'm not it's not an either or, it's not 100% this way or 100% this way. This other way. I think it's great if a boy I mean I was an early reader, so I read by kindergarten. But but expecting every boy to to read the way every girl does by kindergarten, mm-hmm. that would be wrong. Right. Now, I want to switch a little bit here because we've been talking mainly from a, a, a systems point of view, the daycare. Uh, and I want to ask a question, and this may not even be an issue for Jennifer. So, I, Jennifer, if you're listening, I'm not saying anything about your son, but I'm going to kind of build off of that. At what point should a mom like Jennifer be concerned with her son hitting? Right. Well, and this and this moves us to the second part of this, which is what should be happening in the family. Right. right. We talked about the training of the teachers and all that. Now let's say that that's a system that that really understands male brain. And and yet there is our child. Our child is the one. Our boy is the one in that system who's clearly hitting too much. He's pushing too much, um, uh, et cetera. So then I'm going to say, OK, we want to look at two things. One, we want to look at is there something going on with his brain? Does he have a behavioral disorder or something like that? That's going to be a smaller percentage, but possible. Then the larger thing I want to say is, okay, now we as parents have to look at how we're parenting. Because that that child care system is set up for boys, and yet our boy is really creating a problem. So now we look and, and we study ourselves and we say, hmm, okay, 
when when my child hits at home, do I allow my child to hit me, mom, let's say, when my child gets angry? Do I allow that? Hmm. Okay, well, I would say, oh, if you allow that, then you're helping to create this boy who's going to be a problem in child care because actually a boy should not be hitting his mother or his father or his sister or his cat or anything living or his plant. You know, uh, we don't ever want him hitting animate objects in anger um, uh, because that's not good child raising, right? He can go ahead and hit the back of the couch or he can, he can, uh, uh, you know, he can get a Nerf bat and hit the, hit the floor, or he can get on the floor and have a tantrum and hit his fists on the floor. All that's fine. He's just moving energy out of his body. But hitting another human being, okay, we're not holding our authority as parents. We're not teaching him good behavior. And so now we have to study ourselves and see if if one or both of us, or however our system is set up at home, is allowing this kind of stuff. Um, are we are we not at all trying to get him to use words? Are we only allowing him to push and shove? Well, okay, no, no, we got to have, have, help him use words. So we at home would have to study ourselves. And, and I think that all of us, you know, all of us as parents can study ourselves and we can all look and then we can look at everything that the people out there are saying. So in that system, like for her, they said he wasn't listening. Okay, so then we can study our boy at home and we can say, is he listening at home? And if he's not listening at home, then that's we got to target that, okay? But if he is listening at home, hmm, okay, then probably that system isn't set up well to understand him. But if the system's set up well and they're still saying he's not listening, then we look at home. Uh, how's he listening? Who is he not listening to? Have we not taught him to wait to respond? Is he interrupting too much at home? Uh, that, like that's a key thing that often happens is we allow our kids to interrupt us constantly. And, um, and so they don't watch us listening they don't engage in seeing how we interact in a mature way, and they don't therefore interact in a mature way. And uh, so, for instance, they don't listen. Or his walking feet. Okay, does he does he know how to behave well in that at home? Yes, he runs a lot, but at home, does he also walk? And when we say this room is off limits to running, which every parent I think should do. Every parent should say their study, their they're, um, maybe they have valuable things in their living room. You know, every home is different, but whatever are the two or three, or maybe where the electronics are, right? There's a lot of value there, a lot of cords. These three rooms, you cannot run in these rooms. And if this, if the two-year-old is constantly running in these rooms, then, okay, wait a minute. We as parents have to look at ourselves. We have to, as soon as he runs in that room, we have to pick him up, carry him into a room where he can run. And then he learns that boundary. He, he, he matures. So, uh, this is the second half where we study ourselves and see if we have flaws as parents. So I don't, I don't work in a school. Uh, I don't work in a preschool, but we do have in our church um, opportunities for kids, preschool kids and so on. And every once in a while, uh, in the 35 years I've been a pastor, I've, I have seen that little boy or sometimes a little girl, but more than a little boy, walk up to one of the other kids and just out of the blue hit that kid <laughs> and 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 you just know instinctively immediately all right now that's not good behavior right so that's so not. It, it, and yet you know boys will rough and tumble that's the way that they'll make friends so how so sometimes it could be a real fine line between what's appropriate and what's inappropriate what's a, what's some guidance to okay. kind of discern well, that yeah as soon as a boy hits another kid i i really like and we're down in this two to three year age group I really like showing the red mark that's created in the other child, you know, so that the kid experientially sees the pain he's caused 
and pointing out the pain he's caused. The other boy or girl is crying maybe or has run away or, you know, uh, right, right there, uh, process it and start to alter that behavior um, uh, so that so that gradually, it'll take a while, but gradually the child, you know, will look at other strategies and the adult can provide other strategies. It we probably won't help to ask, why did you hit so-and-so? It's very hard for a two-year-old to articulate that. He might be able to say something, which would be great, but it's probably hard to articulate. What he has is, is his normal impulse control issue, right? Which is very normal for a two-year-old. He His executive functioning can't control his impulse yet. Um, so as we show him the pain that was caused and immediately get in there and process and and do that for a month, two months, three months, you know, gradually he will not do that anymore. If he has some sort of behavioral disorder, that's an exception. But in general, the normal boy will not do that anymore. Um, uh, we also need to look at, is he witnessing that behavior? So, uh, it, and if he is, we still have to mentor him. Like for instance, if you have a fourth child, right? You have four boys and the fourth kid, we're talking now, the fourth kid is two. And he has watched his older brothers constantly, you know, wrestling and hitting each other. What he's doing is modeling that behavior. And, and, and uh, we have to tell him that, right? We have to work with him on that and say, you know, they're doing it. But they're brothers and they love each other. But you went and you hit some kid you hardly know. And that's what's wrong with that. And so keep getting that message in there so that we're gradually getting him to control his impulse uh, in the settings that require that control. Because in with his three brothers, they won't care, right? They already relate through this kind of physical hitting and it shows love for them. But But, you know, the message to this kid when he's in the daycare is, but you're not lovingly doing that. That's not empathic. You're not doing it to teach this other kid boundaries or something. You just went and hit this kid. And that is wrong behavior. And so we can we should treat that as a moral behavioral issue. And, and it seems to me that, that one of the challenges for our uh, these great daycare workers and preschool workers is is because of the fear of that boy just walking up and hitting somebody for no reason. Uh, almost all physical behavior, particular boy behavior, rough and tumble, then becomes sort of zero tolerance. Because yeah, we, and I think the... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we we just have a hard time telling the difference. And so we just throw it all out. Yes, a- a- absolutely. And, and, and what I would say, like when I go in and I, we train or our staff goes in and trains, you know, what we what we ask those providers as we're interacting them, we say, okay, and, and that time that it happened when th- this boy hit this other boy, okay, what was the denouement? Was there harm? And they'll say, well, the other boy, the other two-year-old boy cried, and then we gave him comfort and he stopped crying. And, I'll, and we'll, I'll say, yes, and that, you know, that's really valid, valid, but it was their long-term harm. Well, no, those two kids are friends anyway, right? And then you, you know, so what, we, what we're starting to do is we're starting to ask everyone, challenge everyone to move away from zero tolerance and to move toward uh, a bullying framework because um, most of the time, not all the time, most of the time, this is not causing harm. We want to still say to the boy, you can't hit this other boy. Still got to give that message. It's the right message. But it's not causing harm. And so zero tolerance isn't really the right approach. Um, uh, expelling or suspending the kid because he hit twice, let's say, isn't the right approach. It didn't cause harm. Is he bullying? So now what we move to is a bullying framework and everyone decides what bullying is. And is this boy hitting this other boy, you know, every day? Well, then that's probably causing harm. That's probably a bullying pattern that's causing trauma. 
And, and so now we have a zero tolerance for bullying. And so we move the zero tolerance over to a line that's a, an appropriate line. Um, uh, and that's that, okay, we're going to suspend you for bullying, but we're not going to suspend you or expel you from this childcare facility because you hit this other kid when you had an impulse. That didn't cause harm. We're not going to suspend you for that. Well, boy, there's a lot of stuff to navigate through uh, with this. And uh, this is at least a good a good starting point, parents. And uh, for those of you who work in daycares as well, and uh, we hope that this has been uh, helpful for you. I, and Jennifer, thank you so much for your question. Again, if you ever have questions for us, go to wonderofparenting.com. Wonderofparenting.com. There's a place to submit a question. Uh, head over to Facebook and join us on Wonder of Parenting. Join our Facebook page. And Michael, uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, great online parenting course you've got. Yeah, thank you. If, if folks go to gurianinstitute.com, G-U-R-I-A-N, gurianinstitute.com, uh, you're going to immediately see a photo of me talking. And uh, and you click that and it sends you to the page for the parent online course. And and for this one, you know, where we've been talking about child care and daycare, that parent online course is is actually even more appropriate for child care facilities than my educator online course, which you also see on the front page of the site, because so many of the things covered in this course uh, are, are, are kind of what daycare child care providers are doing. They're they're really close parenting. Um, whereas ed- educators are mainly teaching. So this parenting online course is, um, it's six hours and it covers, you'll see the amazing amount it covers and one purchases it and uses it uh, themselves or their nuclear family uses it over a period of time. They're not forced to use it in one day. And then it has other materials and then you 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 there, you can be, uh, get onto our conference calls where we have group calls and I answer questions in group calls and then you also get uh, a consulting hour with me where people can ask me private questions that they don't really want on the group call. Um, so it's about a seven to $800 value, uh, but it's uh, it's only three ninety five, dollars and it lasts for, I'd say, months. Right. So I and think it, it's a great deal. I it is a great will. deal. And, <laughs> and of course, you know, the, the program lasts for months, but the, uh, the learning is going to last for a lifetime for your kids. So uh, we encourage you to go give us the website again. Yeah, go to gurianinstitute.com, and you'll see it there. Excellent. Well, next week, we're going to answer another question, and uh, this one's going to go in a little different direction. This is about a a mom of a seven-month-old daughter, and she's already beginning to ask questions about raising daughters in a world of peer pressure. And uh, so that's what we're going to focus on next week. We hope you'll join us for the wonder of parenting. Make sure you tell your friends on social media. If you enjoy the podcast, let them know about it. Michael, thank you for your time. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. You bet. And thanks, everyone, for listening. You have a great day. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.